and welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, I'm excited that Kelsey Buller is joining the episode to talk about the challenging issues women are facing in 2020 and are likely to face in 2021. It's going to be a wide range of issues. We cover everything from the mass exodus from cities to safety to even environmental issues. So if you're a woman or if you care about women, by the way, that should be everyone listening, then this is the episode for you. Before we bring Kelsey on, I know you've heard her before, but a little bit more about her. Kelsey Buller is a senior policy analyst at Independent Women's Forum. She is also an editor of Bright, a morning newsletter for women by women, a contributor to the Federalist and a senior fellow at the Steamboat Institute. She's a frequent guest on Fox News and Fox Business, and it's a pleasure to have her on. She thinks, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Beverly. I'm excited to be here. So something I think we should let our listeners know, you and I have known each other ever since you moved to D.C. So I remember, I think it was your first week that you came to D.C. and we worked together. And yet during that time, we have become friends. We live fairly close to each other. I guess I should say we used to. We're going to get into that a little bit. Um, But I've seen so many changes in your life, getting married, having a baby. And so what I I thought we would share our own experience of what the pandemic has been like for us living and working in D.C. What has it been like for you specifically? Well, Beverly, I think back to when I first met you, I had never uh, participated in any sort of media interview. And we met when you were actually media training me. And so it has been uh, such a journey to now be, um, you know, when there's not a pandemic to be running into you at the Fox News green room, I have to credit you for (laughs) my ability to go on national TV. Because when I first met you, I honestly never imagined that's what I would be doing. But here we are uh, today. Of course, Literally today, uh, in the coronavirus pandemic, it's very different for everyone. Um, I've been sort of bopping around uh, between staying with my family, my parents, and my uh, husband's family, and um, posting up in Washington, D.C. I have to be honest, uh, living in Washington, D.C., really scared me when COVID first hit because you just can't avoid these very close personal interactions. And we had no idea just how contagious uh, this virus was. So I was terrified to even go to the grocery store. And mind you, I also uh, had a baby at, uh, who was only uh, six, six, seven months at the time. She actually just turned one-year-old this this uh, month. So that was a huge milestone, a big celebration. And it's interesting to look back because this has been such a difficult year for so many people for a lot of different reasons. I started my journey to motherhood in the NICU with over a one month stay because uh, my daughter came early. And then we went from a big NICU stay to the newborn uh, stage to a global pandemic. So it has been such a strange and difficult year, but when we celebrated her birthday, I couldn't help but look back and also be so uh, incredibly grateful for this past year. Motherhood has just um, been the most incredible experience, and even despite all these difficulties, I I um, have to say it, it still was my best year yet, um, having a, a, a adorable little girl to raise and entertain me when we're stuck indoors. Uh, all day. So as difficult as everything has been, it's 
certainly encouraged um, and brought about a lot of life changes that I, I think you and I both plan on talking about because we have similar experiences uh, on that front. Uh, but, you know, in all, I still try to be grateful for uh, the, the moments that I've been able to share uh, with my family more time than, than, than normal. Yeah, it was really, it's been a really interesting time. I see a lot of silver linings in so much of it, even though there are so many people who are struggling. One of the things my family specifically is struggling with is that we've yet to hug my grandmother since this all started. So we visit her through a window. So what's going on with the nursing homes? Um, we did have Janice Dean from Fox News on our podcast earlier to talk about the horrific tragedy of her in-laws dying due to COVID, due to the nursing home policies in New York. So a lot of people are struggling, but in general, I, I've tried to focus on the blessings as well. And I know you and I have both talked about whether or not we want to stay in the city. So there has been a mass exodus. Um, interesting information came out this month in reference to Washington, D.C., and whether or not people are going to be going back to work. This is similar to other cities. According to the Washington Post, they said it could be next summer before the bulk of Washington region's workers return to their offices. So what have you experienced personally, whether that's yourself or through your friends, when it comes to people working in cities, knowing they're not going back for a long time because it's in these close quarters, they're not going to go back to these packed offices. Have you seen people transition by moving out of city? Beverly, there has been a mass exodus from city to uh, more of the rural suburbs outside of Washington, D.C. Um, so uh, you and I are, I think, uh, put together on this. We both have uh, cute little row homes near Capitol Hill, and uh, there's such a charming neighborhood that I still love. Um, but coronavirus is one of a handful of reasons uh, that I'm actually wanting to move out of the cities. Uh, I can't say it's only coronavirus, uh, but uh, it, I've had a unique experience because I joined Independent Women's Forum, which is a fully remote workplace, not just in this global pandemic, but permanently. I joined them basically right when the entire country went into lockdown. And this was a huge life change for me. I had expected to be physically going in and out of an office every day uh, with my daughter. And uh, because of that, I wanted a very short commute. And so that's why we chose to buy a house uh, in the Capitol Hill area so that I wouldn't have to worry about uh, long commutes and would be able to maximize time with my daughter. Uh, once I moved to Independent Women's Forum and then coronavirus hit, and then on top of that, all of these uh, riots that have broken out and the defund the police movement uh, has has really, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, led me to want to flee the cities like a lot of uh, people that I know are experiencing. Um, and so we have actively been looking in the D.C. suburbs, and it's so interesting because um, I started looking uh, basically right when coronavirus hit just for fun. Uh, I maybe foresaw that this was- Oh, that's the dangerous part, the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I knew I was working from home permanently, not just because of pandemic. So I was like, I wonder what type of home office I could get out there in the suburbs. And 
from uh, the time from about March to now, there has been such a dramatic shift in real estate in the suburbs because so many uh, families and individuals are kind of uh, going through uh, the, the similar experiences as we are. And uh, that's led to a hugely competitive uh, housing marketplace for the suburbs. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, our house can still sell in Washington, D.C. But, you know, it, 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 as, as excited as I am about the prospect of giving my daughter a backyard to go outside and play in, uh, I also um, regret that I want to leave Washington, D.C. because this has been such a special city to me. I have so many uh, good memories from here, and I really worry about the future of Washington, D.C. and all these cities. Of course, a lot of this um, is really in God's hands. It's because of coronavirus, but it absolutely also has been impacted by the anti-police movements that are sweeping through many of our country's major cities. Uh, I, I had uh, restaurants just in my backyard who had their windows broken into and so forth. And, you know, I, I still feel safe around with, with my neighbors, but I don't feel that law enforcement has the support to be, uh, to, to be dealing with the outside agitators that just seem to consistently be storming into our backyards uh, whenever any sort of incident happens. And that makes me very fearful of raising a family here. And, uh, you know, regrettably, it's, it's, uh, it's encouraging me to leave. And I, I wonder what kind of long-term impact, uh, you know, both coronavirus and the anti-police backlash are going to have on Washington, D.C. and beyond. And for me personally, so I I have decided to leave the city. So I am joining a lot of other single individuals who are now currently living with my parents again while I find a new house. So a recent study came out by the Pew Research Center and said that we are now at a point where a majority of young adults in the United States live with their parents for the first time since the Great Depression. So we are seeing a, a mass movement of single adults living with their parents. And I think even married young adults as well. Now, going to your safety part, that is actually the reason why I've decided to leave D.C. Um, my experience has been that between my car and my neighbor's car in the past month, it was broken into three times. I've had scammers come to my door. I don't feel safe walking alone at night anymore. And so with so many women who do live alone, I think in cities this becomes a, a huge uh, problem and concern for them and therefore moving is becoming more feasible, especially with the ability to work virtually. So IWF has been focused on this. Kelsey, I know there's a petition. Tell us a little bit about the petition for keeping women safe. Right. Well, it is, um, again, it's regrettable that you and I are both having these experiences. And I think it's important to point out, we don't blame the police uh, for their response or lack thereof to a lot of uh, these 
these criminal incidents that we're witnessing on really a daily basis now. Um, unfortunately, a lot of this has to do with the fact that they don't feel safe. They don't feel secure uh, protecting our homes and our property. Um, and, and of course, they have much bigger fish to fry right now when rioters are uh, trying to topple down statues and uh, light fires out on the streets. So we, I absolutely don't blame them, but I think we all want to see um, safety and security restored in our communities, whether that's cities or whether that is small towns where, um, unfortunately, we've seen uh, the ripple effects of, of the, this, this movement spread there. And so at Independent Women's Forum, we are um, we, we did launch a, launch a petition uh, to encourage uh, anybody listening to support the safety and securities of our communities as well as justice and peace uh, for all. Um, you can do this by going to iwf.org slash safety and security uh, petition. And we really encourage you to sign it. This is a way to let policymakers and lawmakers know that this is an issue that we care about. This is an issue that we are voting on. Uh, we want uh, officers, law enforcement to be held accountable. There is absolutely room and space for reforms. At IWF, we are uh, engaging in those con conversations actively, but we also know that we need to support law enforcement. Uh, enforcement. Uh, we know the defund the police movement would have detrimental effects on our communities, particularly low-income communities. Uh, I think it's important to point out that eight in 10 African-American uh, voters who were polled actually want police funding maintained or increased. So if you are sort of one of those individuals who's supporting uh, the, uh, the defund the police movement as a, as a way to sort of stand in solidarity, solidarity with uh, other minority communities, uh, look at the polling, see what those communities, those individuals actually want, because uh, it's really not reflected in uh, a lot of uh, the the very loud and vocal movements that you're hearing break out on the streets. So yeah, head to IWF.org to learn more about that. And on that, I think a couple important data points on that, in addition to the one that you just mentioned, that 80% of minority communities do not support defunding the police, is that what we've been presented with for so long is what I would call a binary, that you're either for the police and you're against the police. There's so much in the middle. We're talking about including the nuance and the complexity, and let's take a hard look at how policing is done. Are there ways to reform it? But also, at the same time, wanting to make sure that police officers and law enforcement individuals, that their lives matter as well as far as safety. Um, we've seen some tra tragic events against um, law enforcement individuals most recently this month with point-blank um attacks, um, shooting two officers in the face in Compton, California, just tragic. And so I think a lot of people see what's going on and are concerned. So this petition is a way for you to have your voice heard. There is even recent polling showing that whether you're Republican or Democrat, the majority of people in this country are afraid to say anything. They're afraid to speak up. This petition gives you a way to do that and do it in a safe way. Um, I also am encouraged that we are finally seeing elected officials of all parties speaking out against the violence. It has to stop. I think cities have been seeing it slowly trickle in, some more violent than others, and are seeing it as a problem. And so I think it's great IWF is doing this because security and safety does matter. 
I want us to end, Kelsey, with another important issue that's facing us, and that is the issue of climate change. And this is an issue that women do care about. I know there's a recent poll by Echelon Insights. What is their new poll saying as far as how women view climate change and the concern it presents? Uh, right, Beverly. Well, of course, with the wildfires uh, breaking out this month tragically on the West Coast, this has been a uh, topic at the forefront of our minds, our hearts for everybody who's been impacted uh, by that. I, I know you actually uh, have uh, some family and friends still out there in California, so I'd love to hear more about what they are experiencing. Uh, but I think on the issue of clean energy and climate change, uh, this is another area where uh, far-left activists present the American public with a false choice, where you are either uh, for 100% renewable energy or uh, and you want to combat climate change or you are against that. And unfortunately, that actually uh, can cause more harm than good when it comes to combating climate change. Uh, I'm going to get that to that in one moment, uh, but first I do want to mention that, that polling that you mentioned, because uh, on the issue of climate change, this is, this is an area where the left strangely tries to own the messaging on, and uh, they paint uh, conservatives as, uh, you know, a movement that <laughs> has no interest in combating uh, climate change and preserving our environment for future generations. Uh, but if you look at polling across the country, that's not reflected in, in any way, specifically among women. Um, and so I actually was looking at swing states. Uh, there's about eight swing states that we all have our eyes on as we head into uh, this November's election. And in all of these uh, swing states, uh, women specifically said uh, that the issue of clean energy and climate change is fairly important or extremely important, uh, that their members of Congress support policies that do promote clean energy. Uh, these states include Arizona, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia. Um, and then, interestingly, there's a big disparity between uh, what voters in these states say Republican members do care about and should care about. So all of these, um, all of these swing states, uh, you know, are saying that their members of Congress should care about clean energy and climate change uh, above 80%, near 90% for a lot of these states. But then the, the percent of uh, voters polled who say their uh, members of Congress do care about these issues drops to in the 40s, in some cases, um, uh, Florida, for example, 47%. And I think that's a big uh, problem for conservatives. Uh, look, the root of conservative is to conserve. We care about conserving the environment. And we actually have uh, solutions that can make the biggest impact on uh, global emission standards. Uh, and to go back about to go back to this false choice that we often hear uh, activists on the left present, uh, they say it's sort of green energy or nothing. And when I, I know this is sort of an intimidating topic uh, to get into uh, clean energy. There's so many different moving parts and, you know, you kind of are worried you're going to say the wrong thing because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a wonky topic to get into. But I think one of the most important things that uh, women 
could and, and, and should be vocal about is the difference between green energy and clean energy. Um, green energy means renewable sources of energy. So that's wind and solar. Uh, clean energy encompasses so much more. Uh, clean energy sources aren't, don't always qualify as renewable sources, sources of energy, but they are clean. They include hydroelectric dams, nuclear power plants. Those two sources alone produce 70% of America's zero emission electricity in 2018. And to this day, those two sources remain the most promising sources of zero emission energy. Natural gas power plants are another source of non-renewable but clean energy Sources. They produce fewer carbon emissions than traditional sources. Um, and, and according to the Energy Information Administration, which is the official energy statistics from the U.S. government, natural gas drove more emission reductions than wind and solar combined. And uh, last but not least, the last <laughs> the last energy source I want to mention is carbon capture. This is a very promising uh, clean energy technology that allows uh, new or existing coal or gas-fired fire, power plants to produce cleaner energy. Again, carbon capture technologies are not a renewable source of energy, but they provide the opportunity to transform dirty, old dirty sources of energy to zero emission energy sources. So this, I, I think, is really a frontier that conservatives need to be more vocal about. We need to have stronger messaging on because I know personally as a, as a mother, I want to uh, leave my family, my children with a clean environment going forward. And um, unfortunately, you know, we all know that natural disasters aren't solely the result of climate change and like what uh, certain politicians on the left might claim. Uh, but, you know, we, we do need to confront the fact that uh, these natural disasters are becoming more common. Whether or not climate change is contributing to them or not does not does is, is sort of irrelevant because the fact of the matter is we all want to have a clean and sustainable environment, and they, and, and um, we are uh, innovating. America is really uh, the leader on the on the global stage uh, for producing technologies and inventing technologies that are going to enable not just the United States, but the entire world to combat global emissions. Yeah, so much of this is about innovation. And I, I do think it's a shame that this topic often becomes a political football where you have parties use it for their, their own position. Um, I think also the distinction you made between green energy and clean energy is really important. I would say everybody in this country wants us to have cleaner energy. The problem is we are often presented with that binary once again. And that is if you if you talk to a family, if you talk to a woman, if you talk to a mother and you said, okay, we can go all renewable, but your electricity isn't going to be consistent. How do you feel about that? Most women wouldn't be happy with that. Um, so it is realizing we need to continue to innovate. And I think California is a perfect example. They have rolling blackouts and brownouts. My family lives there. I grew up there um, with the wildfires that are taking place, which even the mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, did admit this month a lot of that is poor forest management and not clearing out brush. My sister is having to tape up her doors and windows right now because of the smoke seeping in her house. She actually said to me, 
I wonder if I need to leave because I feel like I'm a bad mom because I feel like this isn't healthy for my kids. And I think that's what a lot of women are having to ask themselves as they're living out there. And so I, I hope that as we see politicians talk about this issue more, I love that IWF focuses on this and, and brings good research. I wish we would get some of the political narratives out of the way so that we can actually have a thorough, good discussion. But because just calling people climate arsonists if they disagree with your perspective, in my opinion, isn't the way to approach this. Absolutely. And it's important to point out a lot of the solutions proposed by uh, these left-leaning politicians like the Green New Deal are completely unworkable. Um, the Green New Deal calls for 100% uh, renewable energy by 2030. Well, right now, imagine if, uh, if California alone or any state for that matter were relying solely on renewable energy sources. That means hospitals would be relying on uh, the sun uh, being out, uh, you know, uh, enough hours throughout the day in order to be ensuring that they have enough power to run the ventilators uh, to to uh, serve all the patients who are in there because of coronavirus. And so this is an issue where there are workable solutions. There is a path towards clean energy that's going to reduce emissions. But a lot of the renewable green energy sources, we have no ability to store that power right now. Unfortunately, if, if the sun shines that day, you got to use that energy right away. But these other forms of clean energy, such as nuclear uh, and natural gas, uh, really provide uh, a promising path forward uh, for, for both reducing emissions, uh, but also increasing reliability and, and hopefully uh, decreasing prices for American consumers because we know if we jump the gun and move too quickly into renewables, you can look at what happened in Germany. IWF has uh, some interesting information on, on that out. I won't get into today, uh, but energy prices skyrocketed there. So it really is a balance. And ultimately, we need to remember that we all want to work towards the same goals, and that is a cleaner, more sustainable environment. And we should welcome energy and innovation on that front to lead the way. And the issues we discussed today, of course, are issues that we're going to be seeing in 2021. Kelsey and I are going to continue to cover them and bring them to you, the issues that are facing women and how IWF thinks about it due to the research that is done. Before we go, Kelsey, remind us again what that petition is called. I know they can find it on IWF.org, but the safety petition was the name of it. Absolutely. They, they can just Google IWF safety and security petition, all you have to do is uh, insert your, submit your name and your email, and that helps your voice be heard. It helps policymakers and lawmakers know that this is an issue you care about. I imagine many of you listening, like Beverly and I, have been personally impacted uh, by a lot of the violence and unrest that has broken uh, out across the country. Know that you're not alone. Know that many, many of us are experiencing it too, and we are working hard to make all of our voices heard. And Kelsey, thank you so much for sharing that and being with us today. And good luck house hunting. Good luck with um, looking at where you may <laughs> live in the future. Together. 
And thank you for joining us. If you like what you're hearing on She Thinks, then you won't want to miss out on the latest news from Independent Women's Forum. Sign up for mobile inside alerts and email updates by going to IWF.org. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks conversations. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thank you.